1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church
2: You see that in Malachi 3.10 Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts if, See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need There's a cause and effect of unparalleled proportions
0: the mountains will move. every chain of the past. You've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh, nothing is impossible.
1: Hello, and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, Pastor Keith continues with his new teaching series entitled Impact. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the Old Testament book of Malachi, chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: Israel, they lost sight of their obedience to God. What was called for in the Torah, they should have understood it. they They should have been well taught, but they weren't. They had lost sight of it. But the fact remains that ignorance is no excuse. They were robbing God in a number of ways, including giving, because that is the easiest to spot. People who read their Bibles should know their God, and no one should have to ask them to give. And God, when he asks us to give, doesn't want us to give out of compulsion. Giving is a, grace, is a grace-filled, grateful act of worship toward God. It's a joyful thing that should occur. Not a drudgery, not driven by compulsion, not, not with somebody putting a gun to your head, but it reflects, as it should have for them, their attitude toward God and their allegiance to God. We see this in 2 Corinthians. See, we're going back and forth between the Old and New Testament. You see that the principles don't change. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now look at verse 7. Each one must give... As he, or her, as, as he has divide, decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not grudgingly, because God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Cheerful, grateful giving leads to a blessing. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But our passage in Malachi and even in Second Corinthians here, where it says, Bring it all into the storehouse, and it talks here about multiplying our giving, really speaks to something I want to talk about, just want to touch on briefly, and that's storehouse giving. When you give to fifty different ministries, if you're not careful, your money is diluted and we- and your impact is weakened. Uh, Storehouse giving, bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouses, it talks about in Malachi, has an effect where your money is bundled. It's almost like a mutual fund. Nobody, almost nobody, can afford to buy stock in Apple or Google, but you get in a mutual fund and you can strengthen the power of your money, right? And that's what happens here in storehouse giving. And you can you can be wealthy. You could have $100,000 to give to this ministry, this worldwide ministry, but really it won't make a dent. But you can bundle that. You see, Christians are to give to and through the local church, and when that church's need has been met, you can give anywhere you want to after that. Above your giving. That's bringing it into the storehouse. But you have to remember this too, in the local church, you know who you're dealing with. You know who your leaders are. And with Compassion International, the United Way, and some of these other ministries, you don't. And you only find out after the fact. I remember when there was a big evangelistic ministry, what was it? Samaritan's Purse. And for a while, they stopped putting gospel tracts in the shoeboxes they sent to Europe because they didn't want to offend anybody. Then they got caught. How did they get to that decision to start with? Think about that. They're unaccountable. A group of guys in a room who don't report to anybody spiritually, they make a decision. We don't want to, don't want to offend the Europeans. You can't do that, and that's why you give to and through the local church. We have the GO team, the global outreach team. We have the local outreach team. We have elders who vet local and international ministries. You know, a lot of times you have a church that gives like $5 to like 500 missionaries. See, we don't want to do that, right? Because that money doesn't have any impact. I'd rather give $500 to five missionaries a month, something like that. And so you have these, you have leaders who look over, oversee the funds, who who are accountable to you. You know what else we have? We have an $11,000 a month power bill. And that has to be met every week. We have heating, air conditioning units that are dying. And we need to fix those things. And you, the only way you're going to do that is with your giving. Years and years ago, I had two experiences that really demonstrated how how some people just don't understand it. And so they give outside of the church while the church still has needs. Years ago, I came to this church and this family, the, the husband died, and the mother was 93, and the daughter was in her 50s, and they were just distraught, and they were confused, and they had to go to the uh, mortuary and to buy, you know, the, you know, plan the funeral and pay for things like that. And so I went with them, and I walked them through everything. And when they were trying to upsell them, well, this pillow is $140, but you want a $300 pillow for your husband, don't you? I remember saying, you ever get any complaints about this $140 pillow? Do you have anything cheaper? And I just walked through that. And at the end of it, they tried to give me a a big check. And I said, look, if you charge them, if this is anywhere in that funeral service, I don't want it. And I gave it back. Several years later, after we had helped this family a number of ways, I was talking to the daughter and she was telling me how she gave to a to Moody Church in Chicago because she liked Erwin Lutzer who was a very good and godly man great preacher and I'm like she goes well I give I I give most of my giving there and I said really Erwin Lutzer when you can't pay your power bill does does he do that does he come down here and do that when you're in trouble and you need counseling does he do that when your funeral had to be planned for your father did Moody Church handle that? What would it be like, I said to her, if my wife and two daughters were here and I went down and ate with this family here every night and cut their grass and encouraged their children and then once in a while check back in over here because that's what you're doing. I had another man come to me. Uh, we were sitting there talking and he said, I, I want to confess my sin to you. And I said, Well, you know, I know that you come from a Catholic background. But if you confess your sin to God, you're fine. But if you want to talk about it, he goes, well, I went to the casino, the Oneida Casino in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I gambled and I lost money. And I said, where'd you lose? He goes, fifteen. And I said, you know, I, I have to say I'm disappointed. You know, that $1,500 could have gone a long way here. And he goes, it wasn't 1500 it was 15000 and as it turned out, he wasn't really much of a giver at the local church. And so I want you to think about these things, you know. Because what we saw in these people were their hearts. And their hearts were misdirected and misguided. What you see in Israel is its heart, right? It's, it's, it's not taking care of the temple. It's not taking care of things. It It had turned its eyes away and failed to understand that what they had really was God's and their inability or unwillingness to give what they should have reflected their relationship with God it was a reflection of the heart so don't miss that it's not your money and it never was and God's principles do not change statement number four Note that giving is not and never has been, never was optional. You're going to give freely because you want to give, because you love God, you love Jesus. And because he died for your sin and you're grateful and you want to advance the kingdom and you want to devote your time and your talents and yes, your treasure to the local church is it plays offense for God because God raised you up for such a time as this and put you in that church. Malachi 3, 6 through 10, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For from the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, repent, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And he says, well, man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me the whole nation of you, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food. There may be food in my house. Giving is, was, and remains an act of obedience if you love God. Note the word statutes in verse 7 and the word bring. There's this command, right, to obedience. Note the word return, return to me in verse 7. These are all commands. And then after the accusation note the command in verse 10, right? And then note the idea of trusting God. You know, he'll he'll say later on, bring it all in and I'll bless you. Put me to the test, he'll say, we'll get to that in a moment. You see, more than the building, the sacrifices and everything else, the priests in Israel were landless. They were forbidden from having assets. The 12 tribes, right, had land. But the Levitical priests, which were part of a theocracy, very different than today, had nothing. And when people neglected the temple, they neglected these people. These people ministered night and day. They distributed to the poor. And they, they worked with and through the leadership to see that Israel was spiritually and in every other way taken care of. And so giving was both an act of obedience and a great necessity. And nothing has changed since then in terms of that obedience and necessity. People relied on it. People rely on it today. The hearts and hearts of the people were revealed by their giving, just as it is today. And Old Testament to New Testament, giving was commanded and expected that the people would give to and through the local assembly, the temple, later the local assembly, the synagogue, and then, of course, the local church. It's a principle. Proverbs 3, 9, right? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Pay God first, not as an afterthought. I remember I met a young a young woman years ago. Uh, she was divorced, she got stuck with the house. She could hardly live. Her one salary could not sustain her because of just where she lived and everything going on. And she would cut her grass and take care of that building. And she was in over her head. And she never on paper had enough money to sustain herself and to survive. And yet every week she wrote her check, her tithe check. And then she made it work after that. And while on paper there should never be enough money, she never ran out. That's kind of what's going on here Pay God first, not as an afterthought. Trust God first, because there are beautiful, beautiful consequences to trusting God. Giving is not, never was, should be neglected. It has never been optional. It's an act of spiritual discipline and obedience. And let me add from Rethinking Church, that series that how we worship God, how you can treat the church, how you look at the church is really a reflection of your love for Jesus. And because of that, giving is not and never was and never will be optional. Statement number five. Statement number five. Believe, no, understand, there is a cause and effect relationship b- between giving whether you realize it or not. Whether you realize it or not, there is. You see that and. Malachi 3.10 Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. There's a cause and effect of unparalleled proportions because you cannot outgive God. And what you have here in this passage is really stunning. Don't overlook this. This passage, put me to the test? This is the only place in the Bible that I know of where God says, test me. What did Jesus say to Satan during the temptation? You shall not put the Lord your God to the test unless he authorizes you to. And this one-of-a-kind statement here is stunning. And here we see the idea that you cannot outgive God. You're like, well, I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to give. There's something colossal here. God asked them, Israel, to trust him and to test him by giving sacrificially, by not holding back. And again, you have this storehouse giving where the bundling of your pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, fives, tens, hundreds, Did they even make a thousand dollar bill? Who knows? where he he says, bring it all in and watch what I do. There is a literal, a physical, a spiritual return on investment here. God promises to bless, to outgive those who give to him. No, this is not the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is no gospel at all. This is a biblical principle connected to a text here. And it talks about heartfelt obedience and you, you see this idea repeated in the New Testament. That's how you can follow these principles all the way through the Bible. Second Corinthians nine: 10 through 11. I want you to see the connection between a loving, joyful, humble, not resentful giving and the blessing that it brings, cause and effect. Remember this, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So if you don't want to give, don't give. Let me just tell you right now, don't give. I really, God doesn't want you to give if you don't want to give. If, you're, if you, you don't like giving, don't do it but God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply. This is your seed. You bring it all into the storehouse. Multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. It's making an impact for the kingdom of God. He's going to take the money you give and he's going to do great things through it. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to god here's what we have here the positive the happy cause and effect relationship between the i the lord do not change statement that you saw back there in malachi just as there are two sides to every coin there is a downside to disobedience and an upside to obedience we saw the downside to obedience when James Noon's read the scripture reading, right? Haggai? Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in panel houses while this house lies in ruins? Panel houses, finished interiors. Here again, the exiles are back, they're building houses for themselves and are neglecting the temple. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He's warning them. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never to your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. You look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, watch this, I blew it away. Consider your ways. I blew it away. These newly returned exiles, like saved sinner today in the church, didn't have time for God. They invested in the wrong things. They got caught up in panel houses. They were worried about food and drink. What does Jesus say? Why do you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear? They were worried about clothes. They never had enough. Everything was always just a little bit off because God was not blessing it. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. He who earns wages does so to put him in a bag with holes. God does not bless our materialism, our selfishness, our lack of giving, or our confused priorities. And as much as he blesses our obedience, he does not bless our disobedience, right? We saw that in Malachi. Where that Without balance, there's no satisfaction, there's no peace. Everything's unsettled. Giving is part of that equation. Sacrificial giving is always rewarded. We saw that already, right? Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously, right? Each one must give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. Did you catch that? Right? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse now let me just put the brakes on right here okay let me tell you what all of this is not saying okay there's nothing wrong it's okay to have nice things that's there's nothing wrong with that it's okay to have a nice house to enjoy a good meal to have food clothing nice clothes warm clothes to make investments those things are okay it's never okay to do those things at God's expense, while neglecting God. You know, he will have no other gods before him, no other priorities before him. And too often, the 21st century church is so caught up that we look like the culture. It's never okay to do these things at God's expense, at the expense of the local church and its ministry. So please believe there is indeed a cause and effect relationship, whether you realize it or not. So let me give you some uh, ideas for application. And they are these. Number one, if you're in debt and you can't give, get out of debt. Sign up for Financial Peace University. Do you have to give 10%? That's a question. Number two, no, you're free to give much more. 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever you want to give. So give more. Number four, pay God first. First of your fruits of your wealth. And for those of you, you know, there are people who give once a year remember this, what would it be like to be paid once a year? You know, the church tries to budget. Give regularly. And if you're not giving, repent. Lay up treasure in heaven. Here's a quick thought. We're running way over time, but you needed to hear this, and I'm sorry. There are 267 member families in this church. The average income, family income, in Santa Clara County is $165,000. If we, and I'm talking about members only, those members gave 10%, we'd be taking in $4.4 million a year. If they gave 4%, they'd be, we'd be taking in what we take now. So whether you give half or whether half give, we can give more.